0: Duck South Studios in Oxford, Mississippi.
1: We're match communicating. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it
0: pays off for them. This is the End of the Line Podcast, powered by DuckSouth.com. I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. Sweep the lick. You have a problem with that. And now, here your host, Rocky LaFleur. Everybody on? Good, great, grand, wonderful. No yelling on the butt. Josh Webb. Sorry I had a fight, but I had a party. And Jake Latagas. And bad news. Also starring Rob Crew. I bet you spice into the woods a hundred bucks. And Bradley Ramsey. No, Martin insane. Showtime. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Showtime, everybody! Showtime! Welcome to the End of the Line podcast. I'm Rocky LaFleur in the Ducks House Studios in Oxford, Mississippi. Joining me on the road in Kansas, Ryan Warden. Ryan, tornadoes, flooding, could be the end of times. Well, it could be, but I don't—I don't think
1: it is. It gets close. Some, 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 some people would say it would be, but we—we uh, we have our work cut out
0: for us for sure. But currently, our head's
1: above water, and we're moving forward, so we should be in good shape. How
0: fast will that water, you know, get out of there?
1: Well, the problem is we've had rain for multiple weeks, so the ground's saturated. So any type of rain we get immediately runs off into our creeks and whatever. So most of our roads are closed out here. I might drive about 45 minutes to work every day. And um, I can think of a dozen different routes I could take to get to work. But currently, there's only one route I can take to work. The rest of them are closed, so pretty interesting makes it's kind of it's kind of a maze to get to work and there was a point last week the forty five minute drive turned into a two hour drive so um wow yeah, I
0: mean it just you, is what it is you do what you do to you know money, lot- right. Well, I'm, if a lot of you are listening to this in the future, which these podcasts will stay up forever, it is the Memorial Day, I call it the Memorial Day flooding of 2019. Man, it has been awful, awful. Mississippi River is backed up, and from what Jeff told me today, as we recorded his podcast, those rivers were coming back up again, so that's more riv- more water coming down the Mississippi River. And you guys depend on that Arkansas River dumping out. (laughs) Man, I know with the Mississippi being as high as it is, it's got to be slowing the flow of the Arkansas River into it.
1: I mean, it, it is, and a bunch of our lakes, you know, Kansas isn't known for water, so we have a bunch of irrigation lakes where they let water out during the summer during the drought periods and they pump water out on the dryland fields. And you know the biggest deal is a bunch of those lakes are full and they're having to let water out, which sad to say, but it's, it's putting pressure on you guys down in the south because we're having to run water here when you guys can't take water. We don't need water, so nobody's farming it out on their fields. I think they said like 65 percent of all of our corn and milo crop is planted and usually that that planting starts in april and we're pretty much done in may and so you're going to see you're going to see it affect the deer herd you're going to see it affect the turkey population because hatchlings and and stuff like that. You're going to see it affect the quail. You're going to see it. I mean, it's going to have some long term effects going forward. And it's going to have some short term effects moving forward. And the fact that we, they can't get corn in the ground right now. And so by the time they get a chance to put corn in the ground, June 10th or whatever, if the rain stops and they can get corn in the ground June 10th, you're going to see some late harvest. So you're going to see, you know, normal corn harvest starts about September, and then they no-till wheat back into that corn for winter wheat, and you're going to see that be affected, and I think a lot of the corn crops aren't going to come off till you're going to have standing corn in the middle of November and middle of December, which is going to affect the deer rut. Uh, the deer aren't going to be exposed and pushed on the creek bottoms like they were in the past, so I think you know, some of that's going to be affected by.
0: by Well, the thing about it is the Arkansas River's got to be high right now with snow melt. I mean, people don't realize that the Arkansas River starts in the mountains of Colorado. Flows all the way to just uh, north of Rosedale, Mississippi and dumps into the Mississippi River.
1: Yeah. So the snow melt dumps and it, drains into the Arkansas River which goes to John Martin Dam. John Martin Dam in Colorado is like the last stop coming into Kansas. It's full so it's dumping and then in the meantime we're getting rain in Kansas and so everything's running off into the Arkansas River and they have levees built just like you guys do and those levees are about a foot to 18 inches from overflowing and at some spots where they're low they're sandbagging that and some spots are even flowing over and they're trying to control that so um
0: you're talking you're talking about the arkansas river has emergency levees built around it like the mississippi
1: correct and it's it's within 18 inches going over those levees and in some spots it is and so,
0: not,
1: we're, uh, I mean, we have, you know, 20, I mean, we're, we're, those, those bridges and stuff, some of those are shut off because they're going over. And, you know, a lot of them are, you know, 18, 20 foot deep where they're normally, you can wade across them and be maybe knee high unless you catch, You know, unless you catch the right, you know, location.
0: There's a lot of water uh, coming through there right now. Man, Oklahoma's in a the, bad shape, too. Yeah. You know, maybe parts of Oklahoma's worse than Kansas. And, gosh, man, the tornadoes that y'all have had. Good Lord. Well last week, whew, the phone was ringing off the hook as you were scouting for for ducks and geese
1: correct so do you uh so I'll just pick up from there, and you can interrupt me if you want, but I'll just pick up from there so. My phone was ringing off the hook and you know part of me I mean you're in the business and as an outfitter you're in the business and so there's a party that's like, oh my god guys we really I mean function, function you need to function you need to do things on your own I, and I had good quality guides I had in in my opinion I had some of the best guys in the Midwest that were guiding for me. I'm thinking, why is my phone blowing up? I'm away from my truck, my door was open. I had a green Dodge Ram pickup. Um, No, I had a a black, sorry, I had a black Chevy pickup. So all you Ford lovers can hate it, but I had a black Chevy pickup. Um, My door was open, the phone was ringing off the hook. I'm thinking, what is going on? I get back to my – I was literally 200 yards down the river. I was listening for ducks. My phone was ringing in my pickup, and I thought, what is going on? So I get back to my pickup, and I have multiple missed calls. I mean, I don't know an exact number, but let's just say – I mean, it was an obnoxious amount of calls.
0: So let's say 18. And and who's like, the first Hi. person you call back out of all those?
1: My my wife at the time and she didn't she didn't answer. And then I had text messages from the neighbor. Hey, where are you at? What are you what are you doing? And I'm thinking you're it was a female neighbor that was just a friend and our kids played together and they, they still have that friendship today, but I'm thinking, I mean, what are you, what are you worried about? It's December 15th, 2011. What do you, what do you, what is that important that you're questioning where I'm at? And. The neighbor had never done that before unless there was an issue with our kids, like somebody got hurt or whatever. And so it was kind of a weird call, weird calls and weird texts. And I remember being really dumbfounded at the fact that somebody was – that these people were contacting me. And none of my guys had said anything. And so – I get back on the phone, and my neighbor, in the meantime, had sent me a text and said, "There's the fish and game are here. The wildlife and parks guys are here, and they're um, they're at the house. And my house was a about minute. well, my house was about three blocks away from from my lodge." And there's, there's four wildlife and parks guys parked in front of the house. Is everything okay? Type deal is what my neighbor was sending me. And I'm like, okay. While well, I was getting messages from other people in town, what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, thinking I'm fine. I'm looking for ducks. So I'm looking for an afternoon shoot. So what's, I mean, this is every day. We do this every day. This is our, this is my livelihood. I do this every day. So what, what is the issue? And so as I start to divulge further into these text messages and missed calls and voicemails, I'm starting back and I'm about 50, 53 to 54 minutes away, normal driving time from Haven. Mind you, I would left right before lunch. The two undercover Feds had offered to take me to Carriage Crossing in Yoder, which was a famous local restaurant that the that the, the Amish had served great food. And uh, things weren't lining up, and so I was trying to figure out what, where was the mess at, what was going on, and
0: did it cross the your mind? No. That that it was the had anything to do with the two undercover guys?
1: No, and they were there. They were there, and remember, they had shot their limit in geese plus two. But I still wasn't putting things together. So this this was at three eighteen p.m. On December 15th, 2011. And so I start back because I I was really to the furthest point that I was going to find ducks, be able to get back to the guys and get them to where they needed to be to shoot ducks that evening. And the guys that I was working for were the two undercover feds because they had shot their limited geese that morning. But wanted to hunt, so they, you know, they were pushing the limits. We want to hunt again. Okay, well, we we shot our limit of geese. Plus, you guys screwed up this morning and shot two over. So let, I mean, we can find duck. I'll go find. I'll go try to find some ducks. Let me go find some ducks. And we're not gonna mess around with field ducks because the geese are gonna come in. The ducks are gonna come in. I mean, I just. I was like let's just go find ducks Their geese aren't going to be on the river this time of year geese aren't going to be on the river let's go find ducks on the river hunt ducks so i start back and i'm filtering through my email or my text messages and you know driving 65 miles an hour In a 55 mile an hour zone, like I lost my mind, but trying to concentrate on what's going on. I get out on K96. It's a 70 mile an hour road. Driving like 80. I'm still, I'm continuing to get feedback from people in town. Hey, there's, you know, X number of game wardens at the lodge, this and that. I get a, I get a message from, a very good friend of mine, Glennie Stephen, he says, uh, Hey, there's like 26 fish and game trucks headed towards Haven from Wichita. Do you know anything about it? Ha ha ha. And he was kind of joking around about it. And at this point, I'm thinking, Yeah, obviously I'm putting two and two together and they're coming for me. So. As I put the pieces of the puzzle together, I realized that they're 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 coming for me. And I don't I still don't know why. So I opened my phone, I look I look through my phone, I looked through my messages, I was ex law enforcement, so I know what's going on with the phones, I know that there's a decent chance they're gonna take my phone. I look through some messages, I'm like, I know there's possible content in there that the guys were too over this morning. You know, do I, do I need to get rid of that text message? Do I need to delete it? I did. I stopped my vehicle, got out, looked, went through my entire vehicle. I'm like, there's nothing illegal in my vehicle. Got back in my vehicle, drove. I mean, at this point, your heightened state of paranoia is indescribable. You know something's going on, but you don't know what is going on. You also know that hey, you were a cop for roughly 7 years and they don't show up like that unless they've got something. So what what do they have? What are you overlooking? What have you missed? What what have you not seen? what is there that's creating them to show up because there's something they're not they're not showing up to say hey you're running a good business thanks we'll talk to you later i mean we're in an area where there's you know a game warden every 3000 square miles is it and i'm thinking we have one game warden in the county there's 52 of them in my small town of haven there's obviously something going on but i don't know what's going on so um i i come around i i hit south hutch i'm on k96 i'm driving a little bit fast because i'm eager to figure out what's going on and in the meantime my senses were well enough to know that if this is going on you need to involve some major players so going through the academy with game wardens and whatever i knew the most dreaded defense attorney in the state of kansas and so I call I called his office. And it was Kirk Kearns out of Wichita. And he was a defense attorney for the Warrior Lawyers defense team out of Wichita. And he had done I think at that time he was recognized as a super lawyer. He was one of America's top one hundred lawyers. He had been on nine federal murder cases and had like six or seven of those were not guilty. Two of them were acquitted. One of them, a guy was cheating on his wife and the guy walked in and shot the other guy. And not only did they find the shooter not guilty, but he got You know, punitive damage money. I mean, I knew that he was like like O.J.'s lawyer in Kansas. So I'm thinking he's the best guy I know, and I don't really know what's going on, but I know I'm not stupid. You've you've got to put some background and some meat in the story that I've been in law enforcement. I've testified against criminals, and I've sent criminals to prison, and I know what it takes. And I know that if, if this many people are showing up, there's a problem. And I don't know what the problem is yet. And it's soon to surface, but, but I, there's no reason to start out weak and try to get strong. So let's start for the strongest. So I called Kurt Kearns, got a hold of the secretary. I said, uh, hey, uh, my name is Ryan Warden. There is a search warrant going on right now, from what I understand, at my house and my lodge. And there is a tremendous amount of game wardens and federal agents there. And, um, I need representation. And he said, okay. And he said, who, you know, who do you want? I said, I want Kirk Kearns. He's the best that I know of. And, they said, you know, his retainer fee just to start the party is $10,000 and then he's at $300 an hour. And they said, do you want Kurt Kearns? Well, I was running a pretty successful business at the time and I said, yeah, you know, yeah, I do. And I said, we'll figure it out. I'd, I'd rather spend $10,000. And then $300 an hour for 10 hours and be $13,000 into it and be not in the situation that I'm feeling now because I don't really know what's going on. And But I know that there's something significant going on because they brought that strong of a force to come get me. And so I talked to Kurt on the phone. They said, well, hold on. Of course, they got me Kurt and I talked to Kurt and I said, Hey, I'm Ryan Warden. I don't know if you know me or not. I, you come out to the academy and taught us, you know, how to go through court and, you know, how to answer and this and that. And, um, I, you know, something's going on at my lodge and I need representation. And he said, Well, don't talk to anybody when you get there. And I said, Yeah, want well, I know that. And, Kurt, Kurt at that time really didn't know me from Adam. He didn't remember teaching me at the academy. And so he really didn't know me from Adam, but, um, I mean, he recognized me later. And so he said, it's a, you know, it's a $10,000 basically to start the party. And do you, do you want me to come to Haven? And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, it's, you know, it's 300 350 an hour. And I said, that's fine. You're, you know, you're, you're 45 minutes away. I'll see you shortly. And he said, okay. And he hung up the phone and he got in his vehicle and he drove straight here from the middle of Wichita.
0: Emotionally, Wichita. did he calm you down?
1: No, because I don't think he knew what was going on. He didn't know what was going on either. Nobody knew what was going on. And so we all just kind of diverged on the same deal. Now in the meantime, at three eighteen PM, I had sent the guys a message and said, I've got one stop left left to check. I said, you know, go I I told one of the guys to go hook up, go hook up to the trailer, take the foul play guys out. Finish their hunt, and I used a real broad term. I said, you know, guide one, go hook up and go to work. Guide two, go hook up, and uh, we're probably going to do a lot of scouting, but I'll be there in about 45 minutes. And I said, I got one spot left to check. Well, between that time, my phone blew up. So they were going out to hook the trailers up, Um, we, you know, we had roughly, we had about five trailers sitting out back and they were going to hook up to go to work. So as they walk out the back, we're in downtown Haven. Like small town, maybe a mile by a mile, 3,000 people in it. a school because they're bringing in a bunch of a bunch of farm kids and they walk out the back door and they're met by federal agents that are not pointing guns at them but damn sure have their hands on their guns and are saying don't don't do anything with the u.s fish and wildlife services we want to talk to you and so they're walking out of my lodge my lodge was located at that point three buildings down from the intersection of maine and kansas avenue which were the two most popular streets in town so we were downtown next door to us was a beauty shop the next building was Hutch Credit Union. The next building was First National Bank. Across the street was the post office. Across the street from one of those buildings was the EMS station and the police station, the courthouse. I mean, we're in downtown, small town location, and so they're like, "Do what? I mean, what's going on?" So they walk everybody back inside. They separate everybody. In the meantime, they knocked on my door, walked into my wife's house at the time, which was my house, obviously, and took, basically took her phone. My cameraman, which will play into things a little bit later, Live north of Wichita. They walked into his house at the same time. My parents house for, which was an hour away. My parents house, which is about three and a half hours away. They, they go into my dad's place of work and stop him. And then they go into, they're following the only guide that I have that's not on scene. They're following him. He knows they're following him. He gets to the lodge, turns. They basically traffic stop him and take his phone and start questioning him. And so I didn't know all this at the time. I'm on the outside, right? I'm driving to get there. This is what's going on on the inside. They've got all this going on. They've separated everybody. They've separated the clients. They've separated the guides, the whole file, file play team they've separated, and they've got roughly 50 agents at my lodge, and they're starting to collect evidence based on the search warrant that they had that was signed earlier that day at 1 o'clock. And so it's 318, and all this goes down at the same time. They hit my house, my parents' house. Everybody, I had no contact with anybody. So I knew, I knew as things started to go bad that I reached out, I started to reach out to my guides. I started texting my guides, started calling my guides. And I'm like, nobody's answering. What? Why? How am I calling? my guides and nobody's answering and so some more lights started to come on of obviously they don't have their phones and so we started down the list further to the guys that weren't supposed to be there working they weren't answering their phones and I'm leaving messages hey you just need to call me and. Cameraman, hey, you just need to call me. Nothing. Like, I'm not getting through to anyone. I'm not getting through to my wife. Not getting through to my guides. Not getting through to my dad. I'm not getting through to anybody. I'm driving Dude, down the road.
0: You gotta be freaking
1: out. I I was. I was, but at the same time I'm thinking You're you're kind of it's not that you think you're invincible, but at the same time you're thinking there's some there's way, there's something that's way miscommunicated here. There's no I've been in law enforcement long enough, there's no justification for this. This this doesn't even seem realistic at this point. Like things aren't lining up.
0: And I mean so, you must have a pit pit full of ducks and geese thousands of ducks and geese buried behind the lodge right and so I'm
1: I'm thinking there's it's just not lining up there's nothing that's lining up here so what you know what is the issue like, whatever they think is there or you know it's just timing that my guides are away from their phone. not uncommon for my dad not answer. I mean, he's seventy years old. I mean, whatever. He probably can't hear the phone. Uh, my wife ignores me all the time. Uh, my guides are probably hooking up trailers. And so you're kind you're going through that, right? Where you're like, somebody somebody answer the phone. What is? I need somebody on the inside that's there telling me what's going on because right now the neighbors are telling me what's going on and that I'm having a hard time believing that that's what's going on. And in the meantime, they're parked for two blocks back to back down the edge of my street next to the lodge. And then all got out and came down the alley to my lodge when those guys came out to hook up and they're like, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services were here to ask you a few questions. Well, so everybody in town, that they were on Main Street. You know, 14, roughly 14, 15 vehicles parked on Main Street. Several of them parked in front. And they, they weren't stupid. They're not stupid. And so they left one parking spot right in the front. And looking back, I should have known I should have known better. So as I'm driving there, I'm trying to call people. I'm not paying attention to my speed. Doing this, doing that. I'm in a, I'm on a four-lane highway. You know, it's a 70-mile-an-hour speed limit. I'm running about 83. And the next thing I know, I've got lights behind me.
0: <sighs> oh, and man. I'm like,
1: I'm like, this is it. And I'm seven miles from the lodge and there's one set of lights behind me. So I, I pull over and the trooper walks up. I know the trooper because I was a sheriff's deputy in that county. And so I call him by name and I said, how are you doing? And he said, good. What, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Basically like you're currently work for Haven police department, your ex LEO for the Sheriff's Department, what what are you going why are you running so fast? And I said, called him by name and I said, There's a tremendous amount of US Fish and Wildlife Services at my lodge and he knew why I'd left the Sheriff's Department, but he was still a local trooper. And I said, there's a tremendous amount of U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services guys at my lodge, and I'm he- I don't know what's going on. I'm headed that way. And he said, "Calm down, I'll sure you'll be fine. I know you well enough to know you'll be all right." And he said, "But you need to slow down and think about where you're going." And I said. Well, thanks. And he said, go take care of your business. And I said, okay. And so I left. And I was seven miles from Lodge. I'll never forget, I was on an overpass area at Yoder, right next to Carriage Crossing where the feds wanted to take me to eat lunch. Um, and he had nothing to do with it. Had no clue what was going on. And So I drove the the rest of the way, and as I got about a mile outside of town, my phone rings. I look down and it says, Matt Hamby. And I'm like, okay. Matt Hamby was a Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks officer. I had ate lunch with him and his dad multiple times. Backed him up on calls, knew who he was.
0: Is that the guy with the deer call?
1: No, this was, this, that was, that was AJ. This was another guy that had just been transferred to another unit, to another part of the state when AJ was there. But he, he was, he was the guy that was there before AJ was. And so I answered the phone. I said, what's up, Matt? And he said, hey, bud. And I said, how are you? And he said, good, how are you? And I said, I don't know. It doesn't sound very good. And he said, uh, well, I'm sure you've heard, but there's some guys here at the lodge that would like to talk to you. And I said, that's what I understand. And he said, where are you at? And I said, I'm about a mile from being there. And he said, so you're headed here now? And I said, yeah, I'm headed there now. And he said, okay, we'll see you in a few minutes. Drive careful. And I said, all right, I will. And I got off the phone. That's when I stopped my vehicle. I knew I knew at that point things were really bad. I stopped my vehicle. My attorney was coming out of Wichita. I was headed there. I've already been on a traffic stop. Neighbors were telling me what was going on. I couldn't get a hold of my guide. He was at my lodge telling me that pe- some people want to talk to me. So at that point, I stopped my vehicle right in the inside edge of Haven. And I got out. I went through my vehicle. and I'm like, is there anything in here that is not supposed to be in here? Went through my vehicle, felt comfortable with it. On my children's life i did not remove anything from my vehicle but i just i just knew that things were bad so pull in and the open parking spa spot right in front of my lodge i pulled into like an idiot which on a search warrant most search warrants include a location and what's called curtilage and curtilage is defined as the surrounding area like an out outlying garage a vehicle and whatever so i i drove myself i drove my truck into the search warrant to allow them to search it. if i would have parked a block away they would have had a tougher time searching my vehicle but i drove i drove right in and And delivered it to them and said, Here, here's my vehicle, search it. And I got out. And when I got out, there's agents everywhere in front of my building, inside my building. They're holding the door for me as I walk in. And I'm like, This shit's for real. And I don't know really what's going on or why you think you need to be here. And you know, I have the utmost respect for Jeff Foyles. and and people will tell you that he has that kind of tooth or arrogance or whatever you want to call it, confidence in him. That when you, I mean, what do you have? Let's, I mean, let's show me your cards. What do you have? I, I don't think we're doing anything wrong let's see you obviously do so let's see your cards at this point i walk in the door people are spread out i said where are my guides at and they're like that everybody's spread out everybody's separated is what one guy said on the couch and he was part of the foul play guys and he was separated and so i'm like okay and he said i said where's where's my two my two guides at and he said they're upstairs and i'm walking through the middle of my lodge at this point and so they walk me to the back i open this there's a door back there where we had our all of our cleaning stuff in our freezer i open it walk back in there and There's Matt Hamby and there's his cowboy hat and there is an unknown federal agent and I looked at the federal agent I didn't know who he was and then he started to talk and I thought I said okay obviously, i I know who you are based on your voice. you're John T. Brooks. and there's no love loss at all between me and John T. Brooks. but you're the resident agent in charge. You live in Derby, Kansas, and you you're the federal agent in charge of this area. But every time I've ever called you for help, you've either not returned the call or you've given me some vague, shitty-ass answer. So you know that I don't care for you and, and you obviously don't care for me. And jumping back, he rode one of my guides so hard that I ended up on the phone with the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks and said, if you don't fix, if you don't call your dogs off, we're gonna have big problems. Because he's telling our clients that this is going on and that this is not going on. And so basically he was hunting us at that time and made the statement to some of our clients of, well, you know, he was checking them and they said, yeah, you know, we're here, we're going to go on a, we're up with hunting today, but we're going to go on a waterfowl hunt tomorrow with, one of my guides and they said well you don't want to go with him we've ticketed him in western kansas for shooting doves two minutes after sunrise and this you know we've we've we have violations on him and the only violation they had was he was two minutes after dark in the middle of nowhere in western kansas shooting doves and the guy was like 17 at the time now he's like 20 and so the clients were ready to back out and so i ended up on the phone with kansas department of wildlife and parks and i said hey look you, you know you're, you're creating a lot of problems they said the feds you know you got to take that up with him so i called him he didn't really want to talk about it basically hung up the phone on me i called him back Secretary said he's not available. I mean, real shady stuff where I'm like, dude, just, I mean, just let's figure it out. I'm pissed off because you're running off my clients over something that happened three or four years ago with a high school kid on a fine that's two minutes after sunrise, which is arguable in its own self, and I'm not... I'm not really happy with it. So you can't you can't go up and solicit my clients and not help me it's going to cost me thousands of dollars. I'm a new business, whatever. So there was no love lost there. When I walked in the back room and I figured out who it was, it was old John T. Brooks from Derby, Kansas. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. Did he smile? Did he smile? Yeah. He smiled. Gave me a shit-eating grin. It was him. And Matt Hamby in the back room, and so my phone rings, and it's my lawyer. And I pull it out of my pocket. It was a Motorola Droid, and it had a nine-digit or a, you know, sixteen-digit swipe code or whatever it was when they when the, your phones used to have a swipe code on them. You gotta you gotta jump back ten years when the phones had a swipe code on them. So I'm like, yeah. You know, I, I know, I know, I know who you are. So my phone rings, I pull it out of my pocket, and he grabs my phone. No. So I've got my phone in my right hand. He's got my my phone in his left hand. And we're holding hands basically in the middle of my back room. And he says, let me have your phone. And I said, I'm not letting you have my phone. And he says, let me have your phone. I said, I'm not letting you have my phone. And I smiled at him and looked at him straight in the eyes, and he said, let me have your phone, or we'll roll around in this back room, and I'll end up taking it from you. And I looked over at Matt Hamby and I said, I backed you up several times at the lake in sticky situations, and I don't have a problem defending myself here. There's only two of you back here. And it, you could have heard a pin drop. You know, I'm a pretty good-sized guy. I'm, you know, 6'2", almost 300 pounds at that point, and I'm like, you know, whatever ex-law enforcement, I don't, I don't have a problem. You know, ground fighting somebody or whatever, we'll, we'll do whatever. You don't have any, you have no justification to take my phone from me at this point. And he said, "Is that what you want to do?" And I said, "Until you show me a search warrant, you're not getting my phone." And we're still both holding hands at this point. His hands are over the top of mine on my phone. And of course I'm extremely irritated at this point. I Don't know what's going on, but I'm pissed off. And
0: Did you tell him it was your lawyer you need to answer it?
1: No. I didn't I didn't know it was my lawyer's cell phone at that point because this is uh, the first tried. one I dealt with. And so I said, Until you show me a search warrant says so you can have my phone, you're not getting my phone. So if that means you want to go Roll around in this back room and whatever. And so he opens the door to my living room area and he calls out a female's name. We'll just say Mary at this point. It wasn't Mary, but we'll say Mary. He says, Mary, bring me a copy of that search warrant. So she brings it back. I set it down on the cleaning table. I read through page one. I open page two. And it says that they can have my phone. And it says they can have the other guy's phones. So I let go of my phone. Well, by then, it stopped ringing. I mean, it stopped ringing a minute before that. And so let go of it. He takes my phone. He pushes the button to see what the last call was. And it for my swipe code. And he says... What's the swipe code to get into your phone? And I said, I yeah, I don't know. That's your problem to figure out. And he said, you're not going to give it to me? And I said, giving you my phone is on the search warrant. Giving you my swipe code to enter my phone is not on the search warrant. So you can figure it out. And he says, okay. And so then he says, you know, I, I looked at Matt, and I'm thinking, and I liked Matt. So I looked at Matt, and I'm thinking, you, you fucker. Why would you let me get in this position and not warn me or something? I mean, I don't even know what's going on at this point. But now I'm just pissed at everybody. And they're t- they have enough evidence to take my phone. So something is going on here. And I'm not quite sure what. And so he says, um, he says, well, um, I'd like to ask you a few questions, but you're free to leave at any time. So let me let me educate some people right here on the Miranda rights and the Miranda laws and how they came into effect. If if law enforcement is working under governmental con conduct which is like in uniform or whatever and they take you into custody which means backseat of a patrol car in a room whatever and they don't let you out and they start asking you questions then the two things that requires law enforcement officers across the united states to read you your miranda rights there's two requirements for that one is custody are you free to leave and two is interrogation which means they're questioning you so if they lock you in a cell and they start questioning you they have to read you your miranda rights if they lock you in a bedroom and start questioning you they have to read you your miranda rights if they lock you in the back of a tr- patrol car and they start questioning you they have to read your miranda rights so we're in a closed room so he has custody of me because i'm in a closed room and so he knows that he knows i'm ex-law enforcement so he makes a statement that you're free to leave at any time but we would like to ask you a few questions. And I've listened to Jeff's podcast, and I'm sure at some point, not those direct words, but something close was said to that. And I've heard Jeff talk about, you know, I was trying to figure it out, so I answered questions, I answered questions, and then at some point I'm like, you know what, I'm done answering questions. And it was, I knew that going into it. So when he said, you're free to leave at any time, but we'd like to ask you a few questions, I reached over and grabbed the door, started to open it, and he said, I said, I'll see you boys later. And I gave him the deuces with my left hand, stuck two fingers up, and I said, I'll see you boys later. I knew my lawyer was coming. They had my phone. People were everywhere, so I said, I'll see you boys later. Stuck my fingers up, reached for the door open the door, and he push, He stops the door from opening all the way to where I can't go out. And he says, you've been in law enforcement long enough to know that the more cooperative you are on this end, the easier it'll be for you on the other. I turned around, I looked at John T. Brooks straight in the face, and I said, I've been in law enforcement long enough to know if you're asking questions you don't have a very good case so let me simplify that a little bit for you when there's a school shooting they don't show up and ask the suspect questions they show up and they take the the suspect into custody they mirandize him and then ask him questions so, if you're just here to question me, it's called a knock and talk, and if you're here questioning me, you don't have enough to arrest me. you have enough to be here, but you don't really know why you're here so you're you're digging for information so i said if if I know enough to know that if you're if you're if you're asking me questions, you don't have a very good case and i opened the door and started to walk out so as i walked through the living room another agent that was sitting there working on the computers there was computers there from us and foul play and whatever and so they said is your passcode still switchfoot and i said i looked over at him and i said you don't need my passcode to mirror a hard drive And at that point, he was just trying to engage me to start talking. So I would start providing information. I mean, they're trying to stop you from leaving. They're trying to get you to engage in conversation. So I said, you don't need my passcode to mirror a hard drive. You can pull a hard drive out of a computer and mirror it and put it on whatever. You don't need my passcode to do that. And he said, he didn't say anything. And the person standing next to him said, do you know where the power cord is for this computer? And at that point, I was so pissed off that I thought, you know what, I don't know where my guides are at. I haven't seen any any of them since I've got here. I just invoked my right to an attorney. I don't know where my attorney is. My phone got taken from me. My truck, I can see out the front door, is being searched with both doors open. So I said, yeah, I I know where, where a power cord is. And I knew that at least two of my guys were upstairs in my lodge. And so I said, I know where a power cord is with full intention that there was no power cord up there. I said, yeah, come with me. And so, they're following me, and we go up the stairs, and the bedrooms are shut to the upstairs, but I knew my guides were isolated in there because I'd already heard that coming through there, that they they had separated everybody in there upstairs. And so, I opened the first door. One of my guides is sitting there. There's two agents sitting there. And the guys that were following me to get the power cord were like, oh, shit, you I mean, you can't go in that room. We're interviewing him. <laughs> so, I, so I opened the door, and I said, I have a federal lawyer on the way. Don't say anything. And they're like, get him out of here. Get whatever. And so I came back God, out.
0: Yeah, freaking out.
1: Yes. And so... Now I'm thinking, you want to play games with me? I'll show you how to play games because I'm not, I'm not very impressed with what's going on right here. And I don't really know what's going on, but you're pissing me off at this point because there can't be anything that important going on that you, you have come from that strong, whatever. So I walk out, I can't leave with my truck. I get out in the front of my building, here comes Kirk Kearns, I recognize him.
0: My house and is two blocks away. And that's where we're gonna stop this week.
1: We're just getting oh, into the man. meat of
0: it. Oh, I know. The greatest, that's where we're the gonna leave it. Part. The lawyer pulling up. Oh man, it's gonna be real good next week. Hey when you're walking through this lodge, do you see Joe and Smo or Larry and Joe, whatever their names were? Undercover guys?
1: No, they they had left. They had left, and and at this point, I'm already thinking, you know, I, and I I hope no no, but I'm thinking you must. I know, I know, I knew, I knew from the start. We're three years into it. I know, and so and I ask, I said, "Where's Dan in Georgia?" And they're like. They questioned them, and they left, and I said, bullshit. And they're like, well, they did. And I'm like, uh, bullshit. they no. And I'm thinking, one, they were two over this morning. Two, I thought they were feds from the start, so don't tell me that they questioned them and then left. They were part of it. To this day, unless unless you looked at the draft copy of the indictment, you would not know that they were involved. They treated them like regular people. Hey, everybody's under arrest. Dan and George you are under arrest. We got a few questions for you. Did you guys ever do any illegal activities? Okay, all right, you're free to leave, thanks. We'll talk to you later. We'll let you know if we need to talk to you. Don't call us, we'll call you. They left, and it's like bullshit. They're They're feds. The only thing I had was the last check they wrote.
0: Well, next week we are going to pick it up from where you met the lawyer in the driveway. Um, hey, when you were texting, when they still had their phones, and you kind of knew all this was going on, did you tell them, "Hey, don't you don't have to answer anything? You don't have to tell them anything." Did you oh, ever say yeah, that? I, did.
1: I sent out a group group message and said, "I have a lawyer coming, a federal lawyer out of Wichita coming." I said. You don't have to say anything unless you're under arrest. I've been near Miranda rights. You have the right to leave. Nobody had their phones at that point. Oh, man. And so I'm, I'm sure the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services saw everybody's phone light up that said that. And they're thinking, oh,
0: yeah. So we're going to find out what they said. In those meetings, next couple of weeks, those interviews.
1: Yeah, yeah, we will. Because right. they showed. Up, I mean, they showed up with paperwork that had every guide's picture on it, and everybody had their own. Everybody had their own paperwork. They were to interview guide one, guide two, guide three, cameraman one. Client 1, Client 2, Client 3. Everybody had a picture in the top left side. And the paperwork said Operation Gooseneck. And when they first told and, me this, I'm like, bullshit. There's no. That, that's just funny because it doesn't even make sense.
0: I'll play people. You know, like they've got to be freaking out, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, imagine me being a federal agent coming up to you setting you down and saying i want to ask you a few questions and you look across the table and it says operation gooseneck and your picture's in the top left corner and question one is how long have you worked for ryan and then it goes down from there wow. have you ever seen him do anything no no hold on don't go too
0: far <laughs> All right. Man, like I said, I look forward to next week when the lawyer pulls up. If this guy has had a lot of experience in federal cases, dude, those guys, they they enjoy this. Not for them I think some of them enjoy it from the money standpoint of the financial gain that they charge for doing these cases, but I, I just think they'd love to sink their teeth into stuff like this. Some of them. I don't know if that's this guy
1: no yeah he's he's the same way he's one of the best to this day he's, he's not he best. is
0: not I mean, intimidated by him at all he's
1: i mean he's been to federal court on at this point he'd been to federal court on between 8 and 10 murder trials never lost one had X number of acquittals and X number of not-guilties. Murder trials. This isn't a traffic stop. This isn't a no-tagging violation. This is murder trials. This is life-or-death type shit. And he's going into court and not not worrying about it. I mean, he's making... National News is one of America's top 100 super lawyers. They're publishing articles on him. He's not. He's now. You you want to put my dog in the fight? We'll fight him.
0: Type deal. Well, Ryan, we will back be back to a normal schedule next week. Being the man, I love Memorial Day and I love what it means. But God. Holidays on a Monday will mess your whole week up. So, we'll be back to normal next week. But I've enjoyed it. Like I said, we'll pick back up as you walk outside and meet the lawyer in the driveway. It should be really, really good. I know a lot of people are listening to this podcast. Ryan, thank you again. I want to thank all of you that listen to this edition of the End of the Line podcast. by MyDuffSouth.com